0: not. Father we thank you for drawing our hearts to yourself a long, mm-hmm. long time ago but just at this time today. Mm-hmm. Lord today is the day of salvation and you give us today and we glorify you and seek to worship you Lord as we are together. It's great to even fellowship you know just together and Lord think of the different traditions in countries and the different people that are yours in these countries, yeah, Lord, we love you, and you, your movement has gone on mm. since the beginning of time, yeah. and we, we are dwellers in time and space, yeah. So, Lord, we look to you. We make us malleable and flexible, even today, mm. as we listen. Mm. Lord, dig out our ears and cause our spirits to leap. Lord, so that we can keep up with your movement in our hearts and in our daily lives as we walk. So different, but, Lord, you never change. Yeah. You apply your truth to every heart, and will continue to do that so that we can receive your grace to continue,
1: yeah.
0: Lord. Bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 What to you, Brother Burnett.
2: Thank you, baby. Yeah, Yes, I was thinking about the fact it being the Chinese New Year and that I remember the times when we'd been there during that time and just how busy it was for people, family and uh, all the movements and people travelling to their to their kampongs, some of them, and to their home places. And uh, mm-hmm. so I was thinking about that. And as I mentioned, we, uh, midnight, Friday night, you know, the, all the firecrackers and everything started, even in our quiet area, where there are some Chinese families and they were gathering to celebrate and so on. And... <clears throat> I notice, you know, the Year of the Dragon, of course, and each year, different animal.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, of course, I was thinking about us being the people of the Lamb mm-hmm. and uh, the children of God, the people of the Lamb, and how different we are, brethren, how how different the Lord's people should be. Um you know, we mentioned Super Bowl coming on in the United States, and all the amazing adoration that that goes on um, in this country at the moment. There's something that the game of rugby, um, and it's the big uh, Six Nations competition, which goes on between Italy, France. Wales, England, Scotland, and Ireland—very big thing—and mm. the crowds that gather, and the worship that goes on, and the the scrupulous uh, adoration really of people following their stars. And if you don't know that um, this song woman named. Taylor Swift, um, so much worship going on of her and somehow I'm not quite sure how she's got involved at the um, Super Bowl and an amazing thing. You know that there's a um, an election coming up in the United States in November and uh, I was staggered to realize that there, I think, are 34 million new people qualified to vote, young people qualified to vote. And they don't know which way that they are going to vote, whether Democrat or Republican. Um, of course, Voting is voluntary in the United States. In Australia, where we used to live, it was not voluntary. You had to vote. But um, one of the things that's happened is that they don't quite know how these millions of young people, if they vote, which they w- way they will vote. And they think that for many of them, the great influencer will be this young 34-year-old woman, Taylor Swift, which party she endorses. Many of their worshippers, her worshippers, will vote with Taylor Swift. In other words, the political things and that don't figure in their thinking, just a, a, an influencer a a person, 34-year-old, who possibly has some good tunes um, in her singing and who will fade away, fade away. And uh, just like, you know, these... And I, I, I'm thinking of the worship of Hitler that went on. I'm thinking of the adoration... <laughs> You know, my my father's family, as some of you know, our surname was not Hull, it was another name. They come from Italy, and they come from the south of Italy, um, near Naples. And you will have heard of the man named Mussolini. And I don't know whether you realize that in the 1920s, when he first took over Italy, he turned the country round. He drained swamps, he got the industry on, on the move and there was an incredible worship of this man, Mussolini. He was a fascist, but because of the, the unity he brought to Italy, because of the wealth, because of the, 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 the land that he had drained so that it became productive, uh, they worshipped him. So many worshipped him. And you realise how worship is such a part of human life and the, that we are made to worship, we are made to adore we are made to just just think of a soccer match. Arsenal is playing later today. Um, it doesn't mean much to most of you, but, you know, uh, the, and you, the, the worshippers will go and uh, they will adore and they will weep if their team loses. They will, you know, follow avidly every bit of news. We're made to worship. And, you know, our subject um, this evening is worship. Just you know, the worship of God. What does the Father seek? What does the Father seek? And, of course, the answer is John 4. And I have to confess, and some of you know this already, that I am profoundly uh, troubled not that, uh, well, I, I believe the Lord is too, about the superficiality of the worship that is in so many churches. Um, I'm just deeply troubled when I go to some meetings, you know i we're part of a little tiny church um not very large um we don't get there often but of course sunday morning is your great big meeting that is whether it's a little church whether it's a large church that's where people go to church and you know in our little church the brother and sister who are the main pioneers of the church. I've known him since he was a baby. And uh, his wife was talking to me before one of the Sunday mornings. This is about six months ago, when everybody was milling around, um, drinking coffee, eating cookies, biscuits, as they call them here, coffee biscuits tea milling around chatter 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 and she turned to me and she said to me i do miss so much when i used to go to the the parish church when i i i first began to follow the lord and it was reverent we went in there and there was a sense of awe and wonder. And she said, it, it, it struck into me. And she said, all of this. And then her husband begins to shout out to everybody. We better start. Uh, we better start. Um, he's trying to shout over all the hubbub of the conversation. At last, he gets them to sit down. Thankfully, they're not drinking coffee now. They gave it up. Maybe she talked to her husband. But, you know, there was something that she put her finger on, uh, that there's something that is profoundly missing. Uh, and it's to do with awe, it's to do with wonder, it's to do with glory it's to do with humility it's to do with god filling all things and not i if i reflect upon so you know we just came back from ireland and in the little conference that took place last weekend thursday friday saturday sunday there was a brother there who is a recognized so-called worship leader. He's about 50 and a guitarist, and he comes from Dublin. And he came down to that conference. It's the second time he's been to one of them. And he uses the sort of phraseology, I am utterly blown away by what you're singing you don't use an instrument it's just voices and some of these hymns and songs you sing they're just i've never heard them he's a 50 year old man who's been in the church he's never heard holy 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 lord god almighty he's never heard Acapella voices singing from this unto the Lord. Um, and he would be one of the better guys who would choose not so much of the slop that's around. But uh, this is what he said. He said, I'm just amazed. He said, I haven't heard of all this and uh, no one's told me. Yeah. You know, and as we were talking and discussing, I, I was saying to him, you know the greatest instrument of all, don't you? It's not the guitar or the organ or the piano or the this or that. The greatest instrument of all is the human voice. The human voice with all its tones and expressions and when when a heart is coming out through the mouth through the words through the voice and uh, i heard the great sound you know this is what um, john says doesn't he you know when he takes us in to those series of revelations of Jesus that he had and he, he hears the voice of the Lord and he hears the voice of the elders and he hears the voice of the living creatures and he hears the voice of the great and they're singing a new song and you know it, it, they're holding harps but it doesn't say they're playing them and what we hear is worthy art thou worthy art thou to take the scroll sing into the Lamb." and you just realize that there is a dimension I believe that the word worship is a, strung, a shrunken word. You know that one of the things that, ha- has, that happens when the heart gets small, then the language becomes emptied. It becomes shrunk. So, for instance, the word worship, I believe, is shrunken. In our days, we talk about the worship leader and we refer to someone who's a human being standing often with a guitar slung around his or her neck. And we call him the worship leader. Who is Is that biblical? Is he really that? Is that worship? Or is that praise? What is it? Um, is worship something much, much larger. If any of you are familiar, and I would recommend it, a little tiny book of letters mainly by uh, a man who was a kitchen worker in a monastery named Brother Lawrence mm-hmm. and uh, called The Practice of the Presence of God. And uh, he he in some of his letters. It's years since I read them, although I did read one the other day because I found a second-hand copy of this little book. And uh, he he just had a enhanced sense that everything he did in the kitchen, and he was ham-fisted. He he wasn't uh, an you know he knocked things over he wasn't uh, you know he's one of those types and yet he 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 came to understand that everything he did was worship for everything was an act of worship unto <laughs> the lord and so i want to exhort us uh, a little bit just this evening um Realising there's only a few of us on, but that doesn't matter because others will hit to reflect very deeply about something that is increasingly absent in the churches: the worshipful spirit. You know the 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 John four chapter, and if you if you go there. And we'll just begin with it. And I want to go to one or two other scriptures, not say too much, um, as though I'm harping on, harping on, you know, grumbling about something. I don't want it to sound like that. I just want us to realize that the churches are missing something. Um, but in the, in the fourth chapter of John, you know how Jesus is in conversation with this woman by the well in the heat of the day, and he draws the woman out into transparency and honesty. That's what Jesus always does. And he, he, he draws her out so that she makes a confession really about her marital status and you know in so doing she reveals two things uh, one of them that her greatest appetite as it is for all human beings is love 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 that she had spent her life mm wanting someone to love her and someone that she could love faithful and true and attached to that love of course oh. was someone that she could worship someone that she could adore some someone that she could uh walk with uh in in a, a a fellowship all the days of her life someone who would cover her love her carry her and uh, so worship when it's one of the reasons why she shifts she doesn't actually mention love though she does mention worship and she mentions worship in, so if you look in chapter 4, verse 26, um, and it, 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 she responds to Jesus uh, because she recognizes that there is a supernatural quality to him. Something that is above the only human she recognizes verse 19 sir i perceive that you are a prophet there is something extrasensual supersensual something supernatural something that is uh is full of knowledge and full of she he's come from somewhere else and she this provokes her our fathers worshipped on this mountain that's the Mount Gerizim in Samaria and um, I forget the name of Samaria it had another name but it's about uh, 80 miles less than that, I think, from Jerusalem, and there was a system of worship that had begun in the civil war time. If you remember, after Solomon died, uh, you know that uh, they'd set up another form of worship of idol, idols and f- false, you know, calves that they'd called Jehovah and they'd worshipped. And there was a plurality of them. Remember that word? There was a number of them, gods. And that had continued on. And uh, so she said that, that our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And then this is Jesus' answer. So she's talking about outward things. She's talking about the rigmarole that would have gone on, the religious rituals in the temple in Samaria, on the Mount of Gerizim. She's talking about the Jewish rituals that would have gone on, where people made pilgrimages there. And she's saying now, you know, where, where do we worship? Where do we worship? How do we worship? What is the legitimate worship? And, uh, you know, are we right? Are you right? What's it all about? And Jesus said unto her, verse 21, woman, believe me, woman, believe me that's what this version here that i'm reading says and uh, i look at uh, the old king james and i just look at that now and here it is he says believe me so that's he's not saying truly truly he's saying believe me this is something I really want you to utterly commit to you know with all your being I want you to believe me when I say this to you um, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem Jesus is in Samaria, neither there nor there. Not something geographical, not something you, a meeting you go to where you enter into a 50 minute segment of singing and call it worship and get excited and that sort of thing. Neither in uh, the anglican ritual neither in the charismatic ritual which is all it is in nearly all churches it is merely a ritual that is gone through neither here nor there will you worship the father you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is of the Jews. The Jews had retained some solid foundations of the true nature of God. The Samaritans had distorted. What God is, not who. Jesus did not say who, he says what. We worship, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, what we know, not who. Keep that clear in mind. What is being worshipped on Sunday mornings in many churches. Some sloppy, idolatrous concept of Jesus. Sweetie, sweetie, in many places. Sweetie, sweetie. Sweetie Jesus, which is why some of the songs are sweetie, sweetie. Jesus, my boyfriend song. I tried right. because people don't know what they worship. What is God? What is he? You say, he is love. Ah, before John says in chapter four of his first epistle, God is love, he says, God is light in the first chapter of that letter. God is light. There's He's unapproachable. God dwelleth in light, unapproachable. So it seems as though John is telling us in his letter, oh, God is, is the shining one, is light. Penetrates and uh, his light is warm, hot. His light is scrutinizing, revealing, piercing. You worship what you don't know. You know those calves. Those strange things you call Jehovah. That's not, we know what we worship. Verse 23, he says, The hour is coming and now is. It's great, isn't it? Uh, you notice that verse 21, he says, The hour is coming. And then he adds this phrase in verse 23, the hour is coming and now is. Now is it, now is. We're in, you know, it's beginning when the true worshippers, the real worshippers, the word true means real, genuine, as opposed to shadow worshippers, shadow worshippers. Not false worshippers, shadow worshippers, shadow worshippers. True worshippers, the real ones, as opposed to the shadow. And the, the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit. And truth in the reality. Their spirit will be in it. And they'll be worshipping God as Father. They will know God as Father. Their spirits will be in tune with God as Father. You know, I, I have to say this, you know, the singing last weekend, and it wasn't just because we were singing hymns, and but other and other choruses. But in that little conference, you know, you could hear the spirits of people singing. Their spirits were coming out through their voices. They filled the room. Uh, the they just filled the room. There was no need for anything else than voices united in great love for God, the Father. And it just rose, and it rose, and it rose. And do you know, as we were singing, I was conscious that uh, we weren't the only ones there. Uh, I was aware of the great congregation. The great congregation. The angels. Uh, the, the saints triumphant in heaven. Uh, I was aware of the great congregation. Not just us there in that little room. Amen. And it says here, Jesus says that uh, the Father seeks people like this, seeks such to worship Him. We sang with our spirit, we sang with our heart. There was absolutely no need for manipulation by musicians. There was someone leading us in the midst of the congregation. There was a consciousness of someone there who was leading the praise, leading the adoration, someone in the midst of us. And Jesus says, verse 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and reality you know, and truth. So that's mm-hmm. that's it. The Father seeketh such.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: See, we are people who are, first of all, redeemed, well, actually regenerated spirits. And our spirits pour out through the powers of our soul and through our bodies, our spirits, pour out. That's why you get such volume at football matches. And concerts where they shout and cry, which is one of the reasons why the music has to be so loud by the bands that play. I'm not now talking about church things now. I'm talking about these singers and so on. That's an amazing thing. It's amazing. Spirits are being released in their adoration of their pop stars and their soccer stars and their, you know, their teams winning. Oh, Lord, help us to sing. Mm. Do, do I worship with my spirit in the things that I do, not just in in singing and and I, I want to take you to a strange scripture next. I, I want to take you into the book of Job, this scripture. You know you, you know the book of Job, don't you? As I say, I'm just talking around the subject a little bit. I'm wanting to enlarge our understanding. Um, I'll come again to it perhaps in another Zoom somewhere else. But in the book of Job, chapter 38, let, let me tell you what has happened in the book of Job. You, you know that there is a dispute going on in heaven. Job is unaware of it. That's how the book opens. You know, the dispute in heaven is between the, 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 the creature who is the fountainhead of all that would distort and pervert God. You know his name, Satan, the adversary of God, and you know the dispute is going on there. Job doesn't have a clue about it. And, uh, and as a result of what God permits the adversary to do to his man, because his man is such a, a, a man who is given to God. Job testify, uh, God testifies to Job about just the, 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 the righteousness of the man, that he is given to God. Hallelujah. And um, Satan says that so-and-so, so-and-so. And you know the tragedies that begin to befall Job. And you know how it gets worse, not better, as Job continues to cling to God in the face of all this adversity. But all his joy is gone. All his wealth is gone, but deep in his spirit he is there, standing as best he can for God. But joy has gone, happiness has gone, understanding has gone. He doesn't quite under—he just can't fathom what is happening to him. And then his friends come round. And they sit silent for a week and they, they just commiserate with him. Oh, you know, we're in the presence of holy things here, my brethren. The realities of life. We're not, we're not listening to a band now. Uh, we're not listening to fun time now. We're talking about a heartbroken man, a man. We're talking about men who are trying to wrestle with what is happening in the realities of life. And dear Joe clings on and seeks to continue to worship God and honor God. He will not blaspheme God, though his wife says, give him up, give him up, give him up. But Joe won't. You know how it all goes on and then uh, the men stop being silent and they have to say something. So this begins a, a long debate where all the arguments come out, all the words pour out. They pour out of Job. They pour out of Early, fast, and the and you know Zophar and all the others, the three of them, and all the uh, philosophical, theological arguments come pouring out. Words, 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 words. Until at last, they all shut up. They're exhausted. Job's exhausted. They haven't got to the bottom of it at all and the three men haven't got to the bottom of it at all and then uh, there's a young man who's sitting there listening to all this debate going on possibly over days and his name is as you know Elihu and uh, from verse from chapter um 32, um, you know, Elihu begins to speak. I'm young in years, he says, mm-hmm. verse 6, and you are aged. Therefore I was timid and afraid to declare my opinion to you. I said, let days speak, chapter 32, verse 7, and let many years teach wisdom. But it is in is the spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty that makes him understand. Elihu brings them back to the spirit that's in man. You've got to listen to your spirit. That's, that's where understanding comes from. God is a spirit. You're a spirit. You've you, 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 got to come deeper than all your reasonings and your arguings and all of your debatings and all your questionings. You've got to come to the silence of your spirit. So the young man begins to speak, and for 32, 33, 34, 35, 36 37 and he starts in 37 verse 1 and he says that this also my heart trembles and leaps out of its place you know and he's he's listening he's humbled, he's quieted his silence. Verse 5 of chapter 37. God thunders wondrously with his voice. The listening man. And then he comes to an end of all that he's got to say. He comes to an end at the end of chapter 37. Then when everything's quiet. Then the Lord answered Job. And indirectly, the other four. The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Who is this? That darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you and you shall declare to me. Verse 4, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Or on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? when the morning stars sang together. First record of singing. Historically, referring back to the act of creation where the morning stars sang together. And all the sons of God shouted for joy. That's why I take you back there. Oh, they saw the wonder of God's creating acts. And they sang. The creatures that he had made already be their angels. Whatever they are, wondrous beings. And they sang. They worshipped, and they—it says—they sang together. That they, because they saw what God was doing, they shouted for joy. Were you there, Joe? Uh, Job, were you there? Did you see? And so the beginnings of the profound silencing of job's and his friends and all their reasonings they've come to an end of them and God begins to speak and he he talks about the worship right in the beginning of sentient creatures angelic beings just loving God for what they saw. Tremendous thing, isn't it? Can you sense the awe <coughs> and the wonder and the glory, the humility? Can you sense all that? That should be the bedrock of everything. The reverence for God, for his greatness, for his power. For his creatorial work, that he is God. Now, I, I take you in, my brethren, to a psalm. I've been spending the whole week in this psalm, pondering it, drawn back to it, 22, Psalm 22. Now, uh, we... We are in the historical enactment of uh, being prophetically uttered by the psalmist of something that is going to happen eight or nine hundred years later on Calvary's Hill, and we're talking about God's great involvement. His historical involvement in the creation that is now fallen, uh, his redeeming of it. And uh, he's going to talk, it's going to be about his son and his son on the tree, his son uh, manifesting the ultimate historical moment of. Holy worship. There is no moment of worship more wondrous than this. No moment of praise more worshipful than this. No, nothing. This is the supreme. Moment of true worship and praise and the self-giving of a spirit, a human spirit, the spirit of a man. We do not understand. He's God incarnate, but he's truly man. This is the great offering of a soul to God. This is Jesus prophetically uttered through my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? Can you hear shades of Job? Uh, why are you so far from helping me, from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but thou dost not answer, and by night, but... I find no rest, yet thou art holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Let me tell you this, my brethren, that Jesus is the true Israel himself. All that Israel should have been as a people, Jesus became. He's the true son of Israel. He is the true prince with God, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praised, he worshipped. In his frailty and his weakness and his brokenness on the tree. Every word that came out of his mouth was a worshipful word. His worshipful words, all seven of them, Father, the last one, into your hands I commit my spirit, my worshipping spirit, my adoring spirit. Even though I've been passing through being made sin for mankind and all the rebellion has been laid upon me and it has not overcome me. Hallelujah. You know. Your holy father. I'm a worm and I'm no man, scorned by men. Verse six, you know, all who see me mock me. And isn't it remarkable? Yet you are he, verse nine, who took me from the womb. Thou didst keep me safe upon my mother's breasts. Oh, these are remarkable words. Upon thee was I cast from my birth. Troubles near, many bulls, you know, all the demons in hell gathered around the Lord Jesus. I'm poured out like water, verse 14. My strength is dried up like a herd and... My tongue, dogs are around me, companies of evil doers, they 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 divide my garments among them. But thou, O Lord, covenant keeping Father, be not far off, for thou my help, hasten to my aid, and the Father did. Deliver my soul. Save me from the mouth of the lion, my afflicted soul, from the horns of the wild one. The wild oxen. Great, isn't it? Jesus in his agony. Mm-hmm. Deliver me, Father, and Father did. Raised him from the dead. Amen. And here he is. Verse 22, I will tell of thy name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will praise thee. I'm in the midst of the congregation. Some of you have been to your church gathering your congregation this morning in Malaysia. You've been there. Ah, oh. did you sense that Jesus was in the midst of the congregation? Jesus, the resurrected, ascended one. Did you sense that he was in the midst leading the singing? Did you get a sense of him filling your own hearts and leading you in worship and adoration or were there men in the way was manipulation going on or was there a listening ear that was hearing oh did the people gather in reverence did they gather in quietness did they gather waiting to hear his voice rising in their own hearts Yea, perhaps in the heart of a, a musician, a song, uh, was it rising in the midst? And you look at this, verse 25, from thee comes my praise in the great congregation, the great congregation did you get a sense that your little congregation wherever you are whether 10 15 20 200 2000 whether there was a sense that there you were just a little part in a greater congregation the great congregation of saints in china in their few, as I have walked through housing estates in Chinese towns in the past and heard the strains of, of ten voices singing in an apartment somewhere lovers of the lamb did you get the sense of the great congregation out on a farm place outside a city to which i and hazel used to drive and speak and teach in a little illegal bible college that was going on there and as they sang, did you get the sense that you were part of the great congregation, my brethren? Or was it all just the manipulation of a few young musicians getting excited and trying to bring us somewhere we know not what? I tell you, did you get a sense of the great congregation? This is Jesus in the midst, you see. You say, but this is Old Testament. No, it's not. These verses, verse 22, 23, they are quoted verbatim virtually in Hebrews chapter 2. And I'll take you there next. And uh, here he says, oh... You know, you know how Hebrews begins, don't you? You know, it doesn't begin, you know, uh, in many and various ways, verse one of chapter one, God spoke of old to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us in his son. Whom he appointed the heir of all things through him, whom he created the world, him him him, when he'd made purification for sins once for all, hallelujah, so you don't have to keep crawling in to the into his gates with praise and into his courts with thanksgiving Jesus changed all that he having cleared the way rent the veil he went into the holiest of all and sat down End of verse three At the right hand of the majesty on high. This is our dwelling place. This is where he's brought your spirit. This is where he has brought you, my born again brother and sister. He's brought you in your spirit there, your body. You're still walking this earth. There are still troubles here. But this is where he brought your spirit. You're in a man, he brought you there. You're part of this new man who is residing. You say, is this really true, Bernard? Yes, he's made you sit together with him in heavenly places. That's what Paul says in the Ephesian letter, chapter 2. Raised you up together, saved you. He's taken your spirit there. He's taken my spirit there, a worshipping spirit, an adoring spirit. This is what he's done. And, uh, you know, this is, this is what it's all about, my brethren. Yes, yes, I know. I, I know that, you know, he sat down at the right hand end of chapter 1, verse 13, till I make the, thine enemies a stool for thy feet. He says to you in your spirit, come and sit before me in Christ Jesus. I want to work in you to, to make all your enemies a stool for your feet too, to bring every enemy in your life, every sinful habit, everything that has Play to you every doubt under your feet this is what he's done this is what he's doing in our day hallelujah he's even sent angels i don't know whether you believe that verse 14 chapter one i you know we used to sing a very worshipful Lord's song mm-hmm. Uh, and it said, And I know that there are angels all around. Let us praise Jesus
0: now. We
2: are standing. On holy ground do we get a sense of that this great congregation ministering spirits sent forth to help us to be with us to work in us angels we don't go looking for them but they're all around this great congregation and he says, therefore, verse 1, chapter 2, we must pay the closest attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. For if the message declared by angels was valid, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord mm. and it was attested to us by those that heard him while God also bearing them witness also by signs and wonders and various miracles and by distributions of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his own will hallelujah i do believe my brethren that there needs to be in the churches such a great distribution of the holy spirit to be coming in our assemblies our churches our groups a distribution of the spirit that silences us and then raises us and then so quickens us that our voices join with jesus's here it is for it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come which we're speaking. Ah, <laughs> uh, my brethren, am I, am I in this world? Tasting the powers of the world to come. Am I tasting the powers of the world to come in the Sunday morning gatherings where the singing's going on and the preaching is going on? Amen. 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 I didn't ought to be speaking to you this morning unless it's worshipful and God is in what I'm saying. I should, be, I, I should be speaking of the world to come. I sh- in my voice, there sh- should be something of the world to come. You understand? You know, where I'm becoming made by the life of Christ in me, a man who made a little lower than the angels, a man who's becoming crowned. Verse 8, in Christ Jesus, with things being put under my feet. Yeah, in Christ Jesus, you, you see the connection. And he's the great worshipper. Yes, I know, verse 8, in the middle of the verse, that, you know, not everything is under his feet. We know that. I know I'm a work in progress. I know the churches are a work in progress. I know that these so-called Sunday mornings gatherings that we have that are work in progress. But are we listening? Are we hearing his voice? Are the pastors really listening? Hearing? Are the musicians hearing his voice? Are they seen? Are they hearing Jesus? Ah. Uh, I know we're a work in progress. Well, I know that we don't see everything yet as it should be. But we see Jesus, verse 9, who for a little while was made lower than the angels and he's crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory. That's the thing I realize, my brethren, that I don't see this holy glory of the world to come in many gatherings. I don't sense it. I sense the glory of tuneful music. I, I hear sometimes the glory of expert uh, technique on a guitar. Uh, I, I get the sense of eloquent speaking in some preachers. You know, I, I sense this kind of thing, but I don't see the sons that are coming to glory. Where well, that's a glorious man, a glorious woman, a glorious Job who comes through to God. My brethren, you know... <clears throat> Did you know this, this Abraham man, this Enoch man, this Jacob man, this these men, these spirits of just men are now made perfect. Did you know that we have come to an innumerable host of worshipping lovers of God? Keep your finger in chapter 2. Go into chapter 12. Verse 22, you have come to the Mount Zion to the city of the living God. We haven't come to an auditorium, you know, in Kuala Lumpur called this or called that. Yes, we've come there in body, but you understand where you've really come to? You really, where you've really come to, you've come to the city of the living God. You've come to the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to an innumerable company of angels in festal gathering. You've come to the feast, my brethren you come to the, the festal celebration of the victory of Jesus. You are experiencing the prelude of it. You should be doing this there in uh, Kuching, Kuala Lumpur, Malacca, uh, Canada, the United States. This is it. You have come to the feast. The celebrate, you're in the beginnings of it, in your spirit. The victory is won. The enemy is under our feet. And this is where we have come to. We've come to the place of ultimate gladness. In spirit, this is the wonder of it all. In body, we're in difficulties. We're aware that not everything's under his feet around us. We're, we're aware that we're a work in progress. But, ah, oh, my brethren, this is where you've come to. We've come to the assembly. Look at this, verse 23, of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. And we've come to a judge who is God of all, and we've come to the spirits of these just men. Can you hear Oswald Chambers singing? Well, if I keep myself to the spirits of these just men, made perfect, I'm talking about Abraham, who died in faith, not having received the promises. Chapter 11, I'm talking about Enoch i'm talking about abel i'm talking about these worshippers of god from the old order i'm talking about the lovely woman sarah who worshipped and laughed as she brought forth her isaac you know this woman of faith i'm talking she she died not seeing the fullness as she as we can know even now but they're now made perfect. We've come to them. This is the great congregation of which we are a part. Doesn't these lesser things pale into insignificant? The you, you know, I tell you, we've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks more graciously than the blood of Abel. Isn't it amazing? This is my place of worship. Your place of worship. This is your city. This is your temple. This is my dwelling place. This is where pastors should be bringing the people. I mean it. This is where... Ah, one of the things I learned a long while ago, you can only bring people so far as you've come yourself. A few may penetrate beyond where their pastors are, but this is where our Lord Jesus Christ has brought us. This, hallelujah, and this turns everything you do into worship. This turns the trees around you, the plants around you, even the weeds in the yard, uh, into sources of wonder. And, and it makes you worship, worship, worship. It, it turns the, the secular into the sacred, uh, you know, I've got a couple of chairs down here. You might be able to see them on the screen there. One's finished, the other one I'm working on. And it's a, it's a labor of love, working on the chairs. I might do half an hour later today, weaving the weaving of the rattan, you know, to make the chair useful again and give them away to somebody, a set of four, but it it turns it all into worship. Ken there, Brother Ken, laying bricks and stones, mm. you know, maybe the building he's working on is uh, cloaked in uh, a great big covering so that it can be heated and they can work and the the, the cement can set, uh, betwe- as they do it all, it turns all of that into worship, you see. This is what the Lord has done. This is worship. It's much larger than singing a song on a Sunday morning. And I go back to the second chapter, and uh, I read this, you know, bringing many sons to glory in the 10th verse. For he who sanctifies, eleventh verse, and those who are sanctified have all come from one place. They've all come from one origin, begotten again. Isn't that you were born again, my brother? Your heavenly father fathered your spirit anew a worshipping spirit, an adoring spirit, a loving spirit. Through Jesus Christ, he who sanctifies, who makes holy, you are not for common use, you are for holy purposes. We all come from one origin, one father, one mother. Verse 12. And that's why, at the end of verse 11, that's why Jesus is not ashamed to call us brother, brother. Oh, sister, you're a brother. We're all brethren. We're all brethren. We're all inheritors. Amen. Sisters in the Old Testament couldn't inherit. You know. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. Now in this new covenant, we're all brothers and sisters of brothers and we can all inherit our inheritance. Isn't it tremendous? And he goes on. He said, I'm not ashamed to call them brethren. And he says, verse 12, I will proclaim thy name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing praise to thee. Who's leading the singing? Who's linging, leading the praises? Who's leading the worship to the Father, even our Lord Jesus Christ? Can you hear him? Can you hear him? Can you hear him saying to you, I I"? I'm proclaiming my Father's name to you. Listen to me. I want you to know the magnificence of my Father. I want you to know how wonderful he's been to me as a man. I hung upon the tree and I worshipped and he raised me from the dead. There is nothing to fear. Let Him, let Jesus talk to you about the Father, the Father, the Father. How wonderful this is. That's what he wants to do. I tell you, that's what turns my speaking to you into worship. My, my preaching is worship. It's Jesus, I believe, that he dwells in me, oh, amazing reality. And all Jesus wants to do, like I want to do, is tell you more about his father, his father, his father, so that you will join in the song of adoration, of the life of uh, adoration that changes the chore into a great blessing so that you begin to live a seamless life where it's not, sacred, secular, all separated up, but you begin to live a life that is worshipful, a life that is prayerful, a life that is adoring, a life, hallelujah, that adores God in one another in the midst of the congregation. I will praise thee. And again, Verse 13, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I, and the children God hath given me. Isn't this remarkable? There's Jesus in the midst of the congregation. There the verses almost verbatim from Psalm 22. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. I go back to chapter 12, and uh, I'm almost at the end of my exhortation and encouragement to us all. But, uh, you know, I'm in chapter 12 of Hebrews again, and uh, I'm going back there. Wonderful. Ah, uh, everything Jesus did was so worshipful. You do know that, don't you? I read here, right at the end of chapter 12, verse 25, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. Jesus, the great speaker in the midst of the congregation great speaker, talking to you about his father. I was with a brother on Friday. He's an older man. He's in his 90th year. He's been a man of God through many decades. Mm. And he was talking to me and he said this. He said, I'm wondering how many people are listening He's conscious of there's so much activity, so much, so many words, so many this is and that's pouring out, you know, opinions, ideas, and so on. Remember Job, won't you? Remember Job. When Job had ended all his talking. And Zophar and Eliphaz and the other one, and they'd finished all their talking, and then Elihu, the young who had better things to say, when he'd come humbly to an end, then God spoke. Then God spoke. We, we must be careful, my brethren. I don't know. One of the marks of a deep change going on in you in this regard is that you are less likely to troll YouTube and uh, fix upon this and that and the other the words of men. The words of Mr. Putin in his conversation with Tucker Carlson, you know, the words of Mr. Biden seeking to justify himself you know, and the words of Mr. Trump and the words of She and, uh, you know, to hear God. That's our call. To hear him. To really listen. You know, that's one of the reasons why uh, I, I, I really do feel I come expectantly to some meetings. I expect that the Lord will I begin to hear him in a song. Someone starts off a song. Perhaps a musician starts off a song. And I begin to hear the Lord. He's talking to us. Because you know he's not against music or instruments. He's not, not at all. Is not a, against silence. One of the marks of the Lord deepening you is that you don't listen to some of this other stuff so much, but you go down into your worshipful spirit and you find a stillness there. And I want you to know, my brethren, that all movement, true movement, spiritual movement, comes out of stillness. When the heart is still,
1: mm-hmm.
2: one of the great problems of today, and it has been around in, in missionary society, so, uh, uh, circles and and church circles, too many people are working for God.
3: Yes,
2: too many people are working for God. Mm-hmm. And they burn out and they wear out and they have to cook up schemes and ideas. You know your call is to work together with God. We are workers together with God what what is God doing? Our, our praise shouldn't be some effort on our part to manipulate God. Our prayer, you know I realize this that we think we'll bring the blessing down if we if we pray enough, so we turn prayer into a kind of tool to prize God out of his apparent inactivity. First duty is to tarry before him. Listen, 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 and then work with him. The gentle impressions that will come from him and sometimes the more firm constraints that will come. And you will know, you will know. My brethren, we're not to be listening for incredible words let me tell you that unless there is a great check that comes upon your spirit, the next thing that common sense decrees you to do that in is the thing that is the will of God for you. Get up, clean your teeth. That's the will of God concerning you. When you're tired, go to bed and get appropriate rest. That's the next thing for you to do unless there is a check from the Lord that says, stay up, I want to talk with you. I went through a period when it was like that, where I was a busy, busy man, and, and I was tired, and my wife would go up to bed, and it, the common sense thing for me was to go up to bed. Yeah. But the Lord checked me, said, no, I want to talk to you yes. stay up and so i stayed up hour upon hour upon hour but unless there is a check you sanctified man or woman you the next thing for you to do is the common sense common sense is god's sense unless he sends a check across you you understanding that's a simple rule of thumb and it's a wonderful way and simple way to live so I'm not spending my time in quietness listening for some uh, great word from God I'm just getting on with the next thing so I will finish here in a minute and the next common sense thing for me to do is to uh, sit down and eat food with my wife. I'm not sure what we're gonna have, so I'll keep the body beef stew, she says. Beef stew. Christmas pudding. And Christmas pudding with cream. There you come. go. You can come, she says. <laughs> but you you are, that's the next common thing sense thing for me to do. Amen. And so I will walk with the Lord through the day, the rest of the day. Amen. Amen. I may even be foolish enough to stay up and watch the first half of the Super Bowl. <laughs> it doesn't start here till 11.30, but you know... Anyway, she says, "Oh, don't be so stupid, Bernard." That's my wife. She's being common sense. Go to bed. Don't worry about it. Super Bowl. But you, you know, this is the joy of the Lord. I think you know that oh, this is this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. Wonderful. And so you're moving in a priestly way humble way, a quiet way, a listening way, but not without not with inflating it to great ideas to get words from God. Amen. You know, and he goes on, so I'm at the end of chapter twelve, verse twenty-seven. This phrase yet once more indicates the removal of what is shaken as of what has been made, in order that what cannot be shaken may remain. Verse 18, sorry, verse 28. Therefore, chapter 12, verse 28, therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us offer to God Acceptable worship. You know, in the thick of things, when things are being shaken all around us, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Let brotherly love Continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby, some have entertained angels unawares. Remember this, my brethren, remember this. Angels are all around. We are standing here on holy ground. Back to that song and i know that there are angels all around so there you are my brethren it's an exhortation an encouragement to us about something about the true nature of what worship is something that i need to expand on i think another time not necessarily with you but perhaps on another zoom yeah. But these things need to be said. Encouragement needs to be given to the young, to us all, to pastors. Don't play to the gallery. Abide quietly in the presence of the Lord. Let your preaching be turned into an act of worship. It all ought to be. It all ought to be. Yes, let our driving be turned into an act of worship. There's something to think about. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, BB. I'm not sure of the time, but would you like um, to pray? Yes, yes. It's apparently it's ordered to to two, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Father. Oh, my precious brothers and sisters, Father,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and those who may listen to this another time later, Lord, Lord, may we be like Jeremiah Saul in the in a potter's house play. Uh, I realise, dear Father, that uh, in some things the the vessel has been marred, the vessel of your church, in, in the way that it has been behaving, it, it's been a marred vessel. Thank you that you are not throwing it away, Lord, but you, you work with your clay, and you mould it again, mould it again, uh, we just want to pray, Lord, for your church in these days, as, as she moves into uncharted waters, Lord, where we haven't uh, walked this way before.
1: Well,
2: mm-hmm. oh, there's going to be more splits, Father, in churches. There's going to be more mm-hmm. falling. Shame. Lord, and people are going to be disturbed and disheartened. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to find... Some experience a little bit like Job did, where the stabilities that they have known are no more, okay. and yet there is that in the deeps of them that you place there that's unshakable, unshakable, and yet they are shaken, and things are being shaken. The Lord, ideas that have been around have to be shaken off only so that we should receive the kingdom that cannot be shaken more than we've ever known. Lord, we, we pray for each other. You know, I think of my brothers and sisters, some here, Hardly ever go in a, into a meeting now. Uh, perhaps their hearts have become disheartened by what they've seen and they've heard.
1: Mm.
2: Lord, and, and yet there is the unshakable inside them. Lord, lead us to fellowship, Lord, with kindred hearts. Jesus, Lord, you... You said, I am the brethren that you have given me, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you that, Father, you gave me to your son. And each one of us here. Lord, I think of the different towns. And in Malaysia, I think of Canada. Lord.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Lordy. Your church is in the struggle down here. We're in the fight still. And yet and yet, we can hear the call if we listen. We can hear the call of those who've gone before, those that are triumphant with you in heaven, calling back, even people that we have lost. I'm thinking of, I know that that precious lady in Saramban who passed away, She's calling back to us, yes, amen. and she's saying, "Keep going, keep on, keep on." She's with you now. You think of her husband, yes, Lord. Lord, and children, and the the shakings that they're going through right now. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: she's she's triumphant, Lord, faith triumphant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But we are still in the fight. <laughs> Lord, and help us to encourage one another on. Help those here who are older in the earth to encourage. And just think of Chinese New Year, Lord, and yeah. a New Year beginning. Oh, may it be the year of the Lamb. Amen. To, to many hearts. May it be the year of the Lamb. Oh, Jesus, Lord. Hallelujah. Help us to offer that sacrifice you want from us. Lord Jesus, you, your supreme worshipful act as you hung there on the tree, trusting, trusting, Trusting. Hallelujah. So we talk to you, our Father. Lord, we who are nothing and yet beloved, we who, well, would would move like priests in the midst of your sanctuary. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Yeah, it's your place, Lord. Thank you that we can move around on the earth, Lord, as though it's your sanctuary. We can look at the streets, the roads, the, uh, the, the different places. Oh God, it's your place, your place. And we can worship you everywhere. Hallelujah. So lead us on, we pray. Amen, Father.
1: Amen, Amen Father.
0: Yes. Amen. Brother Fred, would you like to pray? Yes.
3: Dear Father.
2: We love you together.
1: Father, we thank you that once again you've given us this precious time mm. to seek your face, to come to your feet, and look up into the eyes of love, to arms of love, grace, and favor. We're worthy of all praise and honor, Lord. Forgive give our wandering hearts and thoughts, mold, remold our words mm. to glorify you to keep you in your rightful place in our minds and our hearts thank you that even as we sit here this hour we are being searched and shaken in our depths as the light pierces the darkness Thank, Thank you, you for your grace. Thank you for speaking to each and every one that's here right now. Yeah. And then we'll gather to listen, to hear your voice. Mm. Thank you for eyes to see and ears to hear. Mm. So worthy and we are thankful for all things good. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. Amen. Yes. Brother Ken, could we get you to pray? Father God, we Brother Ken. Yes. Amen. Amen. Amen.
3: Behold, I and the children God has given me. Mm. Lord, we are your children, Lord, in that. Mm. In those words, Lord, and like children, Lord, Lord, we, it <clears throat> just turns, Lord. I, I just hear your voice, Lord, and I drop, my heart just drops things, Lord, and I run to you, Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lord and as children, Lord, we gather under Thy the shadow of your wing, Lord, and we mm-hmm. recognize, Lord we enter into your heart of worship, Lord. We just mm-hmm. worship the Father. We worship you, Lord.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Hallelujah, Lord. And from that place, Lord, we can go to the next thing, Lord, with that same worshipful heart, Lord, mm-hmm. whether it be eating together, eating alone, brushing our teeth, whatever, Lord, that mm-hmm. we carry that worshipful, prayerful heart with us as we go. Mm-hmm father thank you for this time thank you for your word amen. bless each one lord yeah In jesus name amen
1: amen father. thank you
3: thank you father yes, lord.